Those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die any more because they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. That's taken from Luke chapter 20, verses 35 and 36. This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I'm Rob Alexander. (laughs) Hi, Rob. Great to have you here on the podcast. Uh, Your son was here a couple years ago, Brian. He did a couple podcasts with me, and it's great to have Alexander's on the podcast just to raise the the level of energy here. So it's really great to have you here. We're going to Mm. be talking about a subject which I believe is very essential. It's a subject, a study of angels in the scripture, specifically the heavenly angels or the angels of the Lord. And I heard you give a class on this. It was a very wide topic, and I thought, well, this is this is great. But it's the study of angels is just so broad. There's so much there. Yes, yeah. right. So we're we're just gonna we take have an a, hour and a half, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> thirty minutes. I'll give okay, you. but um, you know, why would we want to delve into this subject? Why why is it essential? Well, it is essential, and unfortunately, so many people sort of give it a very passing glance. But when you do look at the angels and you look at the role and what they've done in Scripture, it really tells us a lot about God. It tells us not only about His purpose, Mm -hmm. but His purpose with us. It makes it very personal when we understand who the angels are and what they do in Scripture and what they can tell us about our future selves, about what the future looks like for us, as it says in Luke, for those that are accounted worthy in that age or in the age to come when the Lord Jesus Christ— The kingdom age, yeah. The kingdom age, absolutely. At the resurrection, it says here. Yes, at the resurrection. So it says we're going to be made equal to the angels. Exactly. Right. So when we study angels, we're kind of getting this peek into what we hope to attain to. And hopefully something we can emulate in our lives today. Ah, very good. You know, it doesn't have to be just— something we look forward to, but we can learn from from how God has represented himself through the angels, through scriptures, and we can see, the, hopefully, we can then reflect that in ourselves and in our own characters, so that we are accounted worthy of that future age. Right. Oh, that's you a know? good point. Yeah. I, I think that to me is that there's principles here of how God works through his angels that yeah. are supposed to be applied to our lives as well. So. Exactly. That's really one of the key points I think we want to get out of this. And it's Scripture good, has yeah. to be relevant for us today. It really yeah. has to be part of how we live our lives. And, and if we read something and we can't somehow translate that into you know, our own expectation or more appropriately, what God's expectation of us, what he's hoping that we can do in our lives, then I think we miss a big part of what the Bible can do. Yeah, good point. I like that. Now, we get into our, our Bible studies portion of it. I just sat down with a concordance, started looking at these words in the Bible and kind of the Greek and Hebrew words behind them. I found interesting that our Greek word angel is actually taken from the Greek. Mm-hmm. If you follow it back, yes. it's that etymology, right? And it's that's something right, yeah. that's interesting about studying the Bible is you get these Greek words and all of a sudden you realize, hey, I use that in English. And it's the so Greek a city in California that uses that. Yeah, yeah Los <laughs> Angeles. Right? So yeah, angelos is the, yeah, is the Greek word. And then... The Hebrew is uh, malach. I don't think I'm saying that yes. right. I can get my Blue Letter Bible Study Guide to say it. Yes. Strong's H, 4397. Malach. Malach. Thank you, Blue Letter Study Guy. 
It's got that real guttural sense to the malak. I don't think I'm saying it right. No, but. yeah, there's a malak. <laughs> there's a, a throat action that goes on with that word. Yeah, and I find that both of them are very similar, though, in, in meaning. They, mm-hmm. they just simply mean a messenger, somebody who's bringing a, a message to you. And in that case, when you look at all the, the different, it's from Genesis to Revelation that this word is, is used. Yes, well, in a book of the Bible, Malachi. Yeah, Malachi. It's a transliteration, I guess, of that. Which, which of means that my messenger, right? Yes. Which was a prophet. Of, yes, it was of a God. prophet of God, being his ambassador or being his messenger. Right. So that's what I found interesting is that word is sometimes used of men as prophets or as messengers of God, like John the Baptist right. was a messenger. And it's interesting in our, our Bibles that when they know that it's just of men, they'll translate it as messenger. But usually when the translators think, oh, this is a heavenly being, a, a spiritual being, they'll translate it as angel. Right. Which, if you look in the original, they're, they're the same word. So right. you, you just have to be kind of careful, I think, about that. Context yeah. is important yeah. to really sort of understand and see how it's being used and whether it's relating to an immortal angel or a mortal yeah. messenger. And I find it interesting, too, like they just kind of appear in the Bible. Like the first place it's mentioned is the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar, which is Abraham's bondservant. Right. And it, and it just out of nowhere, no kind of introduction or kind of saying, you know, what the angels are, where they were created. We don't really well, know. Well, that's that the interesting part because, you know, our English Bible says, you know, okay, there's the first reference to angel and, and using that Hebrew word. And yet, the Bible actually refers to angels going right back to the very beginning of creation. Even though it doesn't use the word. Even though it doesn't use the okay. word angels. And that's the really interesting part. In fact, actually, you know, you do have to go right back to the Genesis record in Genesis chapter 1. And actually, if you just bear with me, there's there's sort of a sequence of verses that's interesting because the Bible does interpret the Bible. You don't have to go outside and start to overlay and sort of interpret or try to sort of philosophize our way, I guess, into different interpretations. But right. to just look at what the Bible has said about certain events in time, and in this case, we're going to talk about the actual creation itself. And when we actually look at our creation— in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Genesis, it says, And God says, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Mm. And yet that word God is actually in the Hebrew, Elohim. Okay. And we're going to see there's a pattern that's coming out here that Elohim is translated mighty ones or judges, rulers, and angels. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 8 actually refers to creation and he uses, and the translators did the right thing. They actually looked at the context and said, well, this possi- it can't possibly be referring to God. This has to be referring to something else. And so, yeah, so in Psalm 8, the psalmist says, when in verse 3, he says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. So he's speaking of creation and everything that was made at that time. He says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Now, the interesting thing there is that in the psalm, in the Hebrew record, that word angels is actually the word Elohim. So, with the psalmist, when he was writing this passage, says, mm-hmm. for thou hast made him a little lower than the Elohim. Same word that we just read in Genesis 1 verse 26, when it says, the Elohim said, let us make man in our image. 
Well, the context well, just, between the just two. Just stick in a little thing right there. Yeah. The ESV says you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And you're reading from the King James there, Yes, right? I'm but, reading from the King James. So it yes. says angels. Yeah. And the ESV recognizes that too. It says heavenly beings. But I have a little right. number right there. And I go in my margin. It says, or then God. And then it says the Septuagint, then the angels. Then the angels. Yeah, Very good. So. Yeah. So the other thing that's interesting is that the writer to the Hebrews actually quotes from Psalm 8. Mm-hmm. And just really quickly just turning up there, that's in Hebrews chapter 2. I just find, again, the in the Greek, you don't have the same variety of, of words that are being used. But in this case, you have a quote. They're actually going back to the Old Testament. They're going back to the Psalm record, and they're going to quote from it, and they're obviously going to quote using Greek. And what's interesting then is how they use the Greek. And it says, Thou hast made him, this is coming in at verse 7 of Hebrews 2, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angelos, mm-hmm. or the angels. The angels, yeah. So they're looking at that word Elohim, and the Hebrew writer is saying, Angels, thou hast crowned him with great glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. So what we see then is this word Elohim is really speaking of Almighty ones, or mighty ones. It's speaking right. of the immortal angels doing the work of God right in the beginning of creation. So if we want to find out where angels first come into the biblical record, it's actually chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis 1, verse 1. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense, you know, because like you do the word study, and sometimes you just you want to look at other places. Right, so, they... so this word Elohim then that's used in Scripture really is speaking of the angels doing the work of God. So in the beginning, it's the angels that created heaven and the earth. It's the Elohim. And then it says in verse 26, that Elohim said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So now we start to understand mm. a little bit about What's the form? What's the physical nature of the, you know, what do we see when we look at an angel? Right. So that's why in that passage, it says, let us make man in our image, because it's really the angels speaking here, the angels that are active in creation. Right. And there's lots of angels. We don't know how many there are. There's obviously a lot of work to be done in that whole creative time period. And so, yes, when it says, let us make man, it's speaking of the angels looking at the creation of man and saying, let's make man or mankind in our image and after our likeness. That's interesting because like when you see incidences of angels appearing in the Bible, they're described as men. Yes. So I got one more. Quite often you don't even, they're not even recognized as any. Yeah, you don't even recognize them, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones is found in Genesis chapter 18 when some angels appear to Abraham. And I just hesitated there because I was like, is he called Abraham or Abram at this moment? But <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> but it is Abraham in chapter yes. 17. His yep. name is changed. And it's in chapter 18 and starting in verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared to him, to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. And then he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. So I just think it's interesting, like in verse 1, it says, the Lord appears to Abraham. Right, and that's capitalized. So, and that's capitalized, yeah. so that's the, this is the name Yahweh in the Hebrew. And when he comes to Abraham, he appears as three men. Do you think Abraham at this point knew that they were angels, Rob? 
No, I don't. I don't think I, so I think either. He sees it, yeah. And, but, and clearly, you know, when you think about how people imagine angels to be, yeah, I think he would have recognized pretty quickly if they had wings, you know, um, yeah, protruding from their backs. Or that's something. an interesting yes. thing. Yeah. Like you try to find any passage yeah. where it says that angels have wings and they don't. They just appear as men. I think there's might be confusion with the cherubim. Like they, there's cherubim right. that are described as having wings, but they're not really the angels that we're but talking about. But those are about representative here, yeah. or symbols of, of yeah. God because they have other characteristics as right. well. But I think that's where the confusion right. comes in. But you're right. I mean, and, and he's showing hospitality, and you know, we'll see that yeah. elsewhere in scripture too, where angels appear as men, and then there's this expression of hospitality, just as they would any other traveler that's coming from a long distance. These are much different times than the times we live in today. So to yeah. have uh, three men come, and the first thing you want to do is offer them water, and offer them food, and offer them rest. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, Abraham prepares this whole meal for these, what he thought were men. I believe he didn't know who they were. It's kind of like all these different incidences like this. It happens in Judges too with Samson's parents. When the angel comes to them, they have no idea that this is an angel of God until there's a sacrifice. He actually ascends in the flame of the sacrifice. Right. You know? And, and so, then he says, then he realized. Then he realized, you know, Up right? until that time, he had no idea until <laughs> no this, idea, yeah. this, this man disappears in the flame of fire up off the altar. Right. I think this is very much like that, right? And yeah. I think Abraham picks up on that these are angels when they start asking, where's your wife, Sarah? And they say, I'm going to visit you next year, and you're going to have a child. And then all of a sudden, they're they like, say, they, oh, they know a lot about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot yeah. about me. And I think yeah. he starts getting the clue that this is a very special visit. But it wasn't the real reason that they were there. They, they had set their faces to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sins, and it was these angels that were going down there. And we realize that these men are angels because in the next chapter, chapter 19 and verse 1, it says, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So it uses the word malach there. Right, right. But it, before it talked about them as men. Now, the interesting thing is earlier, you remember there was, there was actually three men. Right. And now it's just two angels. And then as it goes through chapter 19, it starts referring to them as men again. So where'd the other angel go? Yeah, well, well, actually, I, I think the other angel is actually one that's appointed specifically to represent Yahweh, to represent right. God. And that's the other interesting thing about understanding angels. They all ha have different roles. They're not all doing yeah. the same thing. Mm, so yeah, you yeah. have one that is sort of speaking on behalf of God and communicating God's message to Abraham. And then you have the other two that were also with that Yahweh angel, if I could use that phrase. But they're sent to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They have a different yeah, know, set yeah. of... Uh, yeah, things to do. They have a different thing to accomplish, which is really related to Lot and his family. Yeah. It's a really interesting set of chapters if you just go through there and you just pay attention to these angels or these men. Because if you go back to chapter 18 and verse 22, it says, So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still mm -hmm. stood before the Lord. And there it is mm -hmm. in all, again in all caps. Right. And so I think that's the third angel is this that he's talking with who's actually representing God. It's God's messenger right, right. there. So yeah. That's why there's only two when it come to Sodom. And yet and, looks no different than the other two. There's still right. three men, which is, you know, to, yeah. your, to your point. Yeah, exactly. And then when these two come into Sodom, Lot thinks they're just men too, and he wants to give them some hospitality and, and can keep them safe. Yep. And, yes, exactly. 
you know, he looked at them at the doorstep. I mean, again, if you would have thought they were angels, I mean, they can look after themselves. Well, yeah, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, A, A, they're immortal. They don't die. So, I mean, why would you be concerned for their welfare? Yeah, but when exactly. you've got men standing at your door and you realize the city in which you're living and the danger that you would be placing them in by not bringing them into your house, he extends that hospitality. Yeah. And again, only to find out later that they've been sent to really rescue him from his situation and to rescue his family. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting just yeah. to think that angels appear as men. You might not even know. We we might have actually had contact with angels, you know, yeah. unawares. Well, it, that's what it says in Hebrews. You know, Hebrews the, chapter 13. Entertain verse angels yeah. unaware. Right. Yeah. So you never know. You meet that person, extend some hospitality because <laughs> you never go. know. But it's not like they're always strictly looking like men. I mean, right. they do have power and characteristics, which we obviously don't share in this life. So sort of think about even just the men that were at the tomb of Jesus. I mean, clearly they looked different because it's recognized by the writer when he says their appearance was as lightning right. and their clothing and was and the, as white as snow. So clearly they had a glory emanating from them that made right. it very different. And these powerful different. soldiers that were there just fell down on their face and then fled with fear. Yes. Yeah. They were just awestruck at that. The power of angels and how they can use this power. One thing that comes to mind is Balaam riding on his donkey. And it's interesting, it's the donkey that sees the angel in the way. He sees the angel with the sword standing in the way, preventing him from going to right. uh, speak his message. I think it's to the king of Moab. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's only later that the angel then appears and Balaam can see what's been holding him up. And of course, he's been treating the donkey very poorly. Yeah. So that's Numbers um, chapter 22. I think yeah. Numbers 22, when you've got that situation. And then... Uh, I like to carry this around with me because you quite often, you know, you find yourself in difficult circumstances and you, you look at a situation that maybe seems to be be dire or challenging. And you, you've got this story in 2 Kings 6 where you've got Elisha and a servant and they're in a city and they wake up and the king of Assyria has completely surrounded the city with soldiers and chariots and mm-hmm. armies. And he just turns to the servant and says, there's more with us than there is with them. That's the phrase I like to carry with me sometimes in difficult times. There's always more with us than there is with them. You're never in a situation. And what he does is he prays that the servant would see what he could see. Right. And the mountains light up and suddenly the servant sees angels of fire and chariots. And so there's there's a whole force of God. There's all the Elohim standing (laughs) around them. Yeah, exactly. And it's... uh, that phrase, there's more with us than there is with them. You know, uh, and it's just that understanding that even though we may not see the angels and even though they're invisible, they're there. We I mean, need to have that sense all yeah. the time, isn't yes. it? Yeah, just yeah. to really feel that presence. Now, let me ask you a question because I'm thinking now of another incident with an, an angel. It's when Jacob wrestled the angel. Like we talk about this, this the power <laughs> yeah. of these angels, and it's right. Maybe we could spend a little time here because this is uh, an important one, a uh, very curious one. Uh, Genesis chapter 32. Now, when you start this chapter, Jacob's coming back from Syria from having gotten his wives, and he's coming back home and he's like frightened because he thinks that his brother Esau still hates him and is going to murder him, go to slaughter some ill will, yeah, household. And it says in chapter 32, verse 1, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. So here's these angels and he sees them. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called Mm -hmm. the name of that place Mahanaim. And so he knows that there's this presence of the angels of God around him, just like he said with Elisha and those kind of things. He actually can see them. Right. But then it says in verse 3, and Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother. And I 
think it's really interesting in the actual Hebrew, that word messengers there is the same word angels. Malik. as Malik, yeah. as it is in verse 1. So here you have God mm-hmm. sending his messengers, and then you have Jacob sending his human messengers. These would have been people in his party to send to Esau. And so you get that distinction there. Again, right. But you also get a sense carefully. of what that similar roles. God sent yeah. his messengers to Jacob, and Jacob sending his messengers to Esau to represent and to meet them on as if they yeah. were him. So yeah. Jacob sends his whole party in front of him, his whole family in front of him across this river, and he's left alone on the other side. And you see he's just kind of hanging back because he really fears Esau. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems like, yeah. it says in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So there you go. He says, That's a great. man. Well, all of a sudden, he's he's wrestling with a man right, right, on the yeah. side of a river. Who was so, the one guy left behind that <laughs> is now wrestling with right. Jacob? And we don't really realize till later, but as we've seen in our studies, this is really an angel, even right. though it's described as a man. Right. And Hosea the prophet speaks of this same situation okay, and yeah. says that, you know, that he wrestled with an angel. Yes. It's, I see that. I have that in my margin here. It's uh, Hosea chapter 12 and verse 4. So we have a commentary by the prophet that Jacob wrestled an angel and prevailed. So we know from the prophets that this is actually an angel. I think we can get that from the context too. Yeah. But there was one part about this that always kind of confused me because you sort of think, knowing that it's an angel from scriptures, he wrestled with him all day, like the angel just all couldn't, night. Yeah, all yeah, night. Yeah. Did, you know that till the breaking of the day. Yeah, yeah. That um, so, like yeah, you like, know, the angel didn't have it in him to exercise his power. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying before. I mean, you see, like an angel can just go in. Right. He would have been toast. Like, yeah. why is he struggling? <laughs> why is he struggling with him? To me, I guess it's just kind of really representative of Jacob's life and how he struggled against God all his life and God working in his exactly. life. Yeah, and I think that's the, the angel wasn't doing it for his benefit, he was doing it for Jacob's to yeah. really teach him a lesson that, you know, he struggles and he's fighting and he's just, he's wrestling with, with God's will, really, and God's plan. So let me just read it here. It says, And when the man, this is the angel, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So I just want to focus in on that last part. He names the place Peniel, and I have a little margin in my Bible, a little number there, and it come down, and it says Peniel means the face of God. Mm -hmm. And he says, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered, or I, I, I haven't died. Right, I'm still alive. You, yeah. you would, and anybody who has come into contact with angels has this kind of sense or fear or dread that they're going to die on the spot. And Jacob is just surprised. But it's interesting how he puts it. I have seen yep. Elohim face to face. Right, right, right. And I think this is where we get the sense, like Jacob really realized he was wrestling with an angel yeah. of God. Well, I think that's at what point, but there clearly is a point where he realized that this is an angel of God and he's wrestling. It's not just a man 
yeah. you know, and then yeah. maybe it's when he touched his hip and he realizes that there's an aspect to that angel. Yeah. But, but you're right. Things. I mean, this aspect of where Timothy says that God dwells in light unapproachable to right. by men. I mean, when it comes to Yahweh, no one could stand before Yahweh and live. I mean, you think of even when Moses said to God, show me your show me who you are, show me yourself. And he said, well, yeah. you know, I, I can't, right. you know, but I'll cover you with my hand in the cleft of a rock. There's this aspect that when it comes to actual the Lord and Yahweh, you know that you cannot see him, but you can see his representatives. Right. So that's, you can that's see his why angels. there are angels or why yeah. we need angels, because we can't interact actually directly with God, even though in yeah. the record it says you're talking with God or you're face to face with God. It's not actually God. It's, right. It's his messenger. It's his ambassador that you're actually interacting with who has the full power and authority of God. Yeah. And you can sort of see why they would be concerned because scripture does record words as if it was God himself speaking to that person. And yet yeah. you find out later that it's an angel. I mean, right. in Exodus chapter three, with Moses approaching the, the burning bush, he sees the burning bush and it says in verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Mm. Um, so the setting there is it's an angel of the Lord. And yet, a couple of verses later, it says, and then when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, it's an angel, but now it's really right. God speaking to Moses. It said, the angel is still there. He hasn't gone away. It's, right. It's, he's still the bu- burning bush. He's still bush, in the yeah. burning bush. But yeah. now the, the context is now that angel is truly speaking God's words, Yahweh's words to Moses. And so he says, God called him out of the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And then in verse 6, he says, moreover, he says, I, this is the angel saying, am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Oh, there it is again, yeah. There it is again, yeah. So it's this interplay where you were introduced to the angel, but now he's speaking on behalf and as God. So you can see where there's a little consternation sometimes, you know, where it's, they really do realize that for all intents and purposes, they are speaking to God. And yet it's through this intermediary, it's through this, it's mediated or Mm -hmm. through the messenger of the angel who's speaking authoritatively in that context. And so you can see where Moses or whether it's Jacob and, and others have feared for their lives and yet realize that they've looked upon the Elohim and lived. Right. This is an aspect of what I would call God manifestation. It's how God manifests himself. So this could be through angels, as we're seeing here, but it's really a principle that applies to Jesus Christ and to us in in general, that we're supposed to be manifesting God too. Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to this importance of names and and the name that we bear. So Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The angel is bearing the name of God. Now, we can can actually take that and see that actually recorded for us in Exodus 23. Mm -hmm. There's a situation there where it specifically says, let me just look at you know, verse 20 as context, he says, before I send thee, so this is God speaking to, to Moses. Is it God or an angel? Well, this in this case, it's, well, I send oh. thee an angel. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, in that case, it's probably two. <laughs> it's probably more than one angel. Because yeah. there's one that's speaking as if he was God. Three. And then there's the other one that says, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and has sent thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice and provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Mm-hmm. So this angel saying about the other angel, pay attention and beware because 
my name, Yahweh's name is in this angel. He's going to act as if he was me on, um, and on my behalf. Right. And so really the commandment there is to listen to him. But it really brings out this idea of name bearing and taking on a name. And so this, na- this angel's taking on the name of Yahweh and speaking on his behalf. We're called to take on a name. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Right. We're asked to take on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the principle of name bearing, taking on that name, whether Israel or whether it's Yahweh, or in this case, taking on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes with it this responsibility, I guess, to truly reflect and manifest the characters that that name represents. There's the connection to that God manifestation. Right, right. So whereas the angels are kind of the perfect messengers for God, and they don't have any of these temptations not to misrepresent them, that's where our temptations right. are in because we have these lusts of the flesh, which right. can get We're in the mortal. way for us of manifesting God the way that we should. But that's really right. his calling is for us to have that that dominion over the flesh so that we can represent him to the world. Right, right. which is why he provided his son so that through him – we can bear his name and have that opportunity to, although we do it imperfectly, Right. Uh, I think the call is for us to strive to do and behave in the same way as the angels did in Scripture, for us to behave in this life uh, so that we're preparing to be future angels right. in, in some respect. Uh, yeah. That's a great conclusion, Rob. Thanks very much. I think if you're listening, this is really kind of a, a key starting point here for us in the next few podcasts. We're going to be talking about this name the Yahweh name. We've brought up Yahweh here a bit, but we're going to talk about real detail in the next podcast. So that was a spoiler alert? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> it's just kind of, yeah, getting us hyped up for the next one because that, that one's going to be really good. And then we're going to be talking about how God reveals himself to Moses on Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and his his qualities and how that goes about. So it's really important through those studies to really understand how angels work and how they're representing God. But from there, we're going to go to see this principle, as you've said here, applied to the Lord Jesus Christ and how it applies to us. How, how is this this practical, right? And right. that's really where we, yeah. we I mean, want we to get to. We just scratched the surface. Yeah, There's lots but, of other aspects of angels that we didn't touch yeah. on, but uh, oh, hopefully yeah. it's the motivation. Oh, it's such a huge subject. Yeah. Study so, a little bit more. We're just going down one avenue here, but yeah, we'll definitely be uh, covering other things later on. And of course, if you have any questions as a listener, feel free to go to our website at essentialbiblestudies.org, and you can fill out the form there, and Rob will answer all your questions, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, thanks again, Rob, for your time and for sharing your study with us. No problem. Be happy to answer any questions. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. We're giving away some free Essential Bible Study Media Kits. What's a media kit? Well, we're going to send you a little packet filled with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks. It's a really cool way to share the podcast with others. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. Podcasts are great, but it's even better studying the Bible with friends. We're doing something new this season by using Zoom to have online Bible studies. If you're interested in joining us, then go to our website at essentialbiblestudies.org to see the times and how you can register and join us.
If you really like the show, then you can help us out big time by rating us. By giving us five shiny stars and a glowing review, it will help others to find us. Seriously, Apple and Google use them to boost placement in their searches. In the Apple Podcast app, just scroll down on the show to get to the ratings and review section and tap that fifth star. It only takes a minute, it's easy, and it works. Essential Bible Studies is brought to you by the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia on the outskirts of a lovely place we call Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.